Welcome to the Quest On Podcast. I'm your host, Russell Morris, and today I'm joined by Yiming Piansai. Welcome, Yiming. It's always a pleasure. Thank you, Russell. Pleasure is all mine. Today, Yiming and I will be discussing, for lack of a better word, drugs. <laughs> My favorite topic. <laughs> a better word might be anxiety. A better phrase might be self-medication. Rest assured, we'll be discussing mind-altering substances in one way or another. <laughs> We'll just find the right entry point, okay? But drugs is the easiest way to talk about it. More specifically, Eming and I recently uh, wrote two separate pieces for the Quest On website. Yes, journalists still write things. Uh, I find it. It's true. Yes. No, Uh, I don't believe it. It's it's true. I personally find it a rather quaint and endearing means of communication. I'm glad that you still do too, Eming. Well, that's what I started with. You telling me to just it's write true. random things for the Youth Outlook blog site, which we, in case you don't know, we used to work for once upon yeah, a time. That's exactly what I told her, everybody. <laughs> write random things. <laughs> uh, well, she's more, come a long way from that. Eming's mm. story is a commentary about her recent experience with legal marijuana. Eming uh, lives in California. The laws there changed. We're not going to talk too much about policy. This really is just about her experience. Uh, with the substance. Uh, and my piece is a reported piece uh, about Xanax, a very, very different drug. Uh, and Xanax use among young rappers and young people. Uh, there are many intersecting points in these two stories, but uh, they both clearly mention people who are suffering from symptoms of anxiety. Uh, in your case, Eming, uh, it was a friend who turned to legal marijuana mm-hmm. because he or she was experiencing symptoms of anxiety. Is that right? Yeah. And, and like depression okay. and other things. But yeah, generally, yes. All right. Um, so yeah, just tell me a little bit about that. Like how did this, your co- a conversation with a friend kind of led to your initial experience with legal marijuana? Walk us through that. Sure. Well, my friend who um, you've met before actually at prom. Ah, yes, ago. we have to give our listeners a lot of backstory here. <laughs> Which we so, won't get sounds into crazy. for obvious reasons. But our guest, our guest today was my prom date from 14 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Um, anyways, so uh, her sister has a friend who's um, ex, no, yeah, current boyfriend worked in the weed industry of some sort. I'm not really specific on or sure about what exactly part it was. But um, so the friend came up and she brought like um, like weed snacks, those little things like like a brownie or like a like a like a bean of some sort. And um, we tried it and it was, you know, it was nice because we I, I haven't really or she hasn't really smoked weed since like. I want to say high, not high school, maybe early college. And um, she had been dealing with a lot of like depression, anxiety, um, ADHD, things like that recently. So she was kind of exploring outside of her medication that her doctor was providing for her other ways to deal with things that, that the meds weren't dealing with. So after talking with her sister's friend a little about it, 
um, one day while we were all out kind of randomly decided to go get them a weed card from um, downtown San Francisco. And we went and it was super easy. I was expecting way more hoops to jump through. <laughs> was not the case. Right. Um, it's like this little room or this little building with like a bunch of chairs. Uh, there's a person at like the nurse's station and they... They give you some stuff to fill out. You fill it out. It's like medical information and whatnot. And you go into this little room and there's this TV screen and this doctor pops up and asks you questions like... like oh, it's not even a real doctor. It, You're it, Skyping it, with it. Yeah, yeah. So you can Skype with them. I mean, it's not a human in the room. No. I, I assume no. that the person on the other mm-hmm. end of the Skype, yeah. At least not in this case there wasn't, but I don't think that's the case for most of them. Anyways, so um, they ask you some questions about like... What are your issues that you suffer from? Da, 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 da. And then it's like five or six minutes, ten minutes later, you're out, and they basically print your ID card after after they take your photo, and you're done. Like it's like fifteen minutes of your time. Wow, that's quite efficient. Yeah, you mentioned in your piece that it's a lot simpler than um, dealing with your uh, healthcare provider, right? Not even like even that. It's it's easier than dealing with EBT. It's either de- dealing with unemployment. It's, it's every government thing that requires them to give you something. This is way easier. <laughs> um, nice. It is. It's, it's, it was amazing. Yeah. So when I decided, I was like, hey, you know what? Like I have spent my whole life just taking hits of hits of other people's joints and occasionally not feeling that great afterward or like my or like eating a weed brownie and then like losing my mind for like five hours afterwards i don't i didn't like that it happens it happens well yeah and it does happen i don't enjoy it i'm not really used to that so i i decided like why don't i just try this and see what happens and so then eventually i did it but i did it online which is even more convenient you just talk to someone online and then you send them your photo, and then they ask you about like, like, oh, you have um, anxiety or, or any other topical issue that would require you to have um, a card for this. Did you select like in it before you had this conversation? Mm-hmm. Did you know like, oh, I'm gonna say that I have glaucoma because I know that everybody who says <laughs> they have glaucoma gets. Um, or did you actually want to have an exchange with this person and say, you know, that you had a specific issue like anxiety or something and and whether they thought it would be helpful to you? Did you, did you prep, I guess, sort of, before you Sort of. Well, the reason why I did it is because I had this experience. A, cu- a couple years back, I got into a car accident with a friend and I was on the side of the car that got smashed. And ever since then, whenever I'm in a car and it goes like relatively fast, I really start, I, ha- I kind of have a... I mean, that's, that's post-traumatic stress yeah, disorder. Yeah, you PTSD. I have trauma. an attack. Yeah. And it yeah. happened in a lift, and it really freaked me out. And I was like, I don't know how to manage this. And then, I, and then my friend... So does that mean you... you- does that mean you get high now every time you, before you get in a car? No, no. <laughs> no. It, but I mean, I'm not. I'm not trying to make light of no. this because I know that I know, like I know. that's real. I know. I, I know. You know that kind of trauma stays with you. But I'm wondering if that's what the trigger is. You know, and this is your medication. I'm no. just curious now. Like if you like go on and get an Uber and then, like no. while you're no, requesting, no, no, no. Uber, it's just you, like hit like a vape pen. No, 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 no. It's that's not what I'm doing per se. But. It has helped me realize I have other issues that I didn't know I had, <laughs> emotionally speaking, yeah. like anxiety, mainly anxiety, yeah. and kind of um, yeah. dealing with stress. Yeah. So now, yeah. instead of, like, taking a shot of Jameson, I'm popping, like, one little bean, and I'm just like, good. <laughs> so when you say, and this is a question, it's just like, you know, 
I guess it's a logistical mm-hmm. question. When you say bean, what are we talking about here? Jelly bean? No, it's a chocolate. It's, it, well, it's either a um, blueberry it, covered in chocolate. So I just call them beans because they're literally just beans. And there's also like an espresso and they're the hybrid kind. So it's like a mixture of uh, the two strains. I'm so, so assuming it's like sativa and um, in indica. So, I mean, the, the question remains, Has is this helpful to you? Are you, like, de- managing your stress better? Have you noticed your anxiety symptoms yes. or depression symptoms I, change as a result? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely feel like it, like, there'll be days where I just feel very, like, run down and beat, and I take one for one night, and the next morning I just feel way more, I feel more happier, I feel more energetic, I feel like I can deal with things yeah. easier. Um, but yeah. I, but my, my the, the one issue I have discovered is that I come from a family of addicts. Like, my, my grandfather was alcoholic, and so I, I have that in my, I have that in my history, so I can, right. I notice when I'm, like, using it a lot, and I have to, like, oh, I should probably stop for a week. <laughs> and then go back yeah. and reset so I feel, you know, normal again and then use it only when I need it. But it's very easy for me to, like, t- to go down that road because there was this one, like, maybe a couple of times, like, my friend would, like, give me a hit of, like, Coke. And it was like, woohoo. And then then I would crash so hard after. I was like, no, I can't do it anymore because I feel That'll like crap. I don't like this. I don't <laughs> like feeling like crap. Um but I think I'm I'm working around a way to, to manage this in a way where I'm not like basically overly self-medicating myself with things that I don't really need. Yeah. And I'm still trying to yeah. ne- negotiate that. My friend is a little bit better at it because she literally has symptoms that she's coping with. So she's a more of an extreme case. Um, right. But for me, I'm just like I have small things that I'm working through and I'm trying to use it without overusing it. Right. Yeah, that's smart. The game has changed, Eming, let me tell you. <laughs> 25 years ago, I was poking holes in an empty beer can mm. so that I could smoke some Wait, dried up working, working man's weed through <laughs> <laughs> in somebody's kitchen, you know. Uh, and now, you know, Eming's just popping beans to, to help her get through the day. Uh, that is a true medicinal marijuana. I mean, even in the days when I was smoking terrible weed you know this medical marijuana has been legal in california for a long time the laws have changed a lot in the way that it's been implemented but no one ever really took that seriously no one ever really thought about what like medicinal marijuana Mm -hmm. meant right and now you know it seems like there is actually a lot of credence to it especially and I, i really felt like that was the value of your piece was you know people used to kind of joke about medicinal marijuana and say like Like I said earlier, oh, I have glaucoma. You know, everybody's like, oh, I got back pain. Um, But people were doing it in order just so that they could smoke weed legally. This is a very different thing. You know, I mean, you came to this as a person who used recreational marijuana years ago. It didn't really work for you recreationally. Um, But now you considered using it like truly medicinally and it's working. I think that's remarkable. Yeah. Well, I mean, it wasn't years ago, but like I would... My, I have like a, a family member who would give me like a, because sh- she would make her own her own weed brownies and then she would give me some. Everybody's got that yeah, family right, member, right? Mean. I know. Everybody got that know. one auntie. But she, but the, the thing was, she would she pours 
they make their, their own oil and stuff. And so they would, when she made it, it was just super, super heavy. This is like maybe like up until last year, I stopped doing this with her because I couldn't, I couldn't hang basically. Like I would go with her out, like we would go out to like family events and she would give me a brownie. And then I'm sitting there at the table, like everyone's talking Chinese and my head is like ringing. And I'm like, am I psychic? <laughs> is this all in my head? Um, and I was like, mm, maybe I should go the legal the legal medicinal route because this this is really starting to like fuck with me like on a mental level and i don't really like this feeling yeah well there are a lot of practical considerations right like there was no way to measure you know there was no dosage right it was just like i mean used to be is going to blow people's minds again i'm making myself sound like an old man but like legit in 1994 in 1994 me and my friends could go to Dolores Park, mm. which then was really just abandoned, like, gang turf. Like, no one was ever in it. And I know that's crazy for people to hear now, but nobody would ever be in uh, Dolores Park, certainly not after dark. Right. And just to buy weed. And the way that you would buy weed is just be like, whatever you had, man. Like, oh, I got $7. Like, here, you know? And then, like, a little dude, you know, like a little mission cat, probably 16-year-old with a shaved head would just have like a paper bag just mm-hmm. full of garbage weed and he would just like reach his hand in there and then like put it in your hand you know and you try to like put it in a cigarette cellophane right. uh, obviously there's no way to like measure or calibrate that it, we, we just smoked whatever we got and we didn't know what the amounts were or where it came from and not that it was dangerous but there certainly wasn't a way to think about like you know uh, eventually how could this be helpful to me right. uh and now my god i've never seen an industry become streamlined uh and so precise so quickly right you know although i guess really that's not that quick you know when was i buying weed in dolores park again over 20 years ago you know well you still um, look young if that helps oh thank you thank you it, it, it means a lot <laughs> moisturizer that's that's the key everyone moisturizer and spf 30 every day um so i do want to transition and it's not i mean it's not much of a transition at all because my story is very similar uh you use the word self-medicating uh and this is a story about an anti-anxiety medication uh, that people are using without prescription. Uh, I came to this story uh, the way that I come to a lot of stories um, because I love to listen to rap music. And even though I've been listening to rap music again since the golden age, really before the golden age, you know, like my brother had me listening to Two Live Crew and NWA when I was, you know, five years old. Um, but I really came of age in the 90s, what they call the golden age. And most people who grew up listening to golden age rap music really don't like young rappers now, hmm. right? Like it's become, a, there's a real generational divide between like the guys who are wearing like Timberlands and like a Yankee hat and a gray goatee that yelling at the kids that they call mumble rappers who have tattoos on their face and you know, technicolor dreadlocks and stuff. Uh, I have tried to avoid that cultural gap and embrace uh, the new music of the young people. A lot of it is good. You know, a lot of it's good. Some of it's not good, but I I think that's true of any genre at any time. Uh, But in the process of trying to explore some of this music, uh, I noticed all of these guys are talking about Xanax all the time. That's like their drug of choice. Obviously they're smoking blunts. They're doing other stuff. 
But the amount of times that I hear Xanax mentioned in songs uh, by all, you know, the top artists, people like Lil Uzi Vert and um, this kid Lil Xan, mm-hmm. he actually named himself after Xanax. Uh, I went to his concert. That's that's part of the story. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I wanted to know more about that. You know, I wanted to know more about the drug and I wanted to know more. I wanted to do some research. I was like, is this really is this reflective of our young people who are not rappers also using a lot of Xanax? Uh, and I discovered that they are right. Not only are more rappers taking Xanax, but more young people are taking Xanax. And a lot of the speculation has to do with uh, what people have determined uh, is, you know, the the mental health crisis of millennials, which is anxiety, mm-hmm. right? I don't think it's unique to young people. I, I personally believe maybe uh, that the same amount of people have been dealing with anxiety, uh, you know, for generations, uh, and maybe there's just more... Uh, you know, it's a lot easier to talk about mental illness now and be open about mental health. But I also talked to a lot of young people in the course of uh, reporting this story. And they agreed. They're like, yeah, everybody has anxiety. And they were like, it's because of social media. Um, now, I'm not ready to write an alarmist reported piece that says, you know, uh, rappers with face tats and social media are making America's youth <laughs> take abuse Xanax because I think that those are tenuous kind of connections I believe that there's something there Mm -hmm. but I was really more interested in like learning more about this music and talking to young people who were really big fans of this music uh, and kind of just like connecting the dots a little bit so that's most of the story and I know you got a chance to read it Um, and I I tried to give like an overview history you know future right uh, is an, a very famous Atlanta rapper. I, I don't think he counts among this generation. He's a little bit older, but he was one of the first people to start talking about uh, Xanax. This came up in my in my research. He had a song called Zanny Family, uh, which is about introducing people to Xanax, mostly women. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the lines is "Keep a bag of keep a bag of Zannies if you're trying to join the family." Mm-hmm. Uh, it's convenient that Zanny. Family, actually, these songs write themselves. Uh, but there were a couple of other news hooks. One, uh, one of these guys is a New York area rapper uh, named Lil Peep, uh, and he died last year in November. Yeah, I think I heard uh, about that. Way back when he was he was really prominent, and people loved him. And he talked very openly and honestly about his struggles with mental illness. And, and he talked in his music about the connection between his struggles with mental health and his use of Xanax and other drugs. Uh, and when he died, it was a drug overdose. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it was attributed to a combination of fentanyl and Xanax. And, you know, we can kind of get lost in the weeds with a big drug conversation about like fentanyl, which is totally unrelated to Xanax. It's a um, opioid and it's the drug that killed you know, Prince and mm-hmm. Michael Jackson right. and Tom Petty and everybody else in the world. Um, but w- what's not really widely known is that Xanax uh, is actually a more dangerous drug than opioids in terms of um, overdose deaths, right? And, yeah, I mean, most opioid uh, overdose deaths involve 
Xanax, right? If it's not a fentanyl overdose, like because Xanax has a very specific chemical compound, it can also kill you uh, from withdrawals. Right. It's one of the only drugs that you can die from withdrawals. Like when people get arrested and when people go to the hospital, like the first thing they ask them is like, oh, are you on benzos? That's the category of drug that Xanax is um, because it's so dangerous to, to go through withdrawals. Uh, and I don't say all that, again, to be like an alarmist person and say, right. oh, everyone's going to die from Xanax. But it is definitely to make a distinction between uh, that and other drugs that people might be using recreationally. It's like the stakes are a little bit higher here. Mm-hmm. So Lil, Lil Peep died and people responded to that. People in that rap community, uh, fans and other rappers and a lot of people the prominent rappers decided to give up Xanax uh, on New Year's. That was their New Year resolution, uh, which I thought was kind of funny. I mean, I know it's a little morbid and I'm not trying to make light of it, but like I never would have imagined in 1996, you know, when like I was drinking 40s and smoking blunts that in the future rappers would be giving up Xanax Hmm. for uh, for New Year's, you know, and I think a lot of other people would be surprised to learn that too. I mean, right. these are some of the biggest recording artists in the country, you know, like Lil Uzi Vert is just like, you know, it was the Billboard number one spot for months uh, last year. A really prominent artist. Xanax is kind of overlooked. Right. Xanax abuse is kind of overlooked, and you know, it's not nearly as fatal, but it's still, uh, it at least has this cultural relevance because of its prominence in popular music. Uh, and I'm also personally interested in the relationship between you know, an increase in uh, anxiety mm-hmm. among young people and an increase in Xanax abuse, you know? And, uh, and I'm sure there's all kinds of other stuff, you know? I'm sure, like, what, you know, how is it Obamacare related? I don't know. Like, what kind of drugs do we fund? Like, what does this have to do with the pharmaceutical industry? And, are, you know, people are just kind of, like, using what's in their house. You know, you get a right. your mom gets a prescription for anxiety, you steal the pills, you take them. That's kind of how these prescription pill epidemic starts. Right. Uh, or how they start. But, you know, that was my entry point. And and the piece really is just kind of like a historical overview and then a little bit of like in the weed stuff about like individual rappers and um, how they made their own decisions to use or or not to use. And then the piece ends, of course, with me. I got to go. I got to go to a show. I can't write about the genre of music and uh, see who these fans are and see what these artists are like on stage. So I went to uh, I went to go see Lil Xan perform. When Uh, when was that? Um, it was a few weeks ago uh, when I, I mean, I've been reporting this piece for a while. Um, and I, you know, I think it was still March uh, when I went to the show at Highline Ballroom in New York. Um, I, I mean, I'm going to just, I'm going to save my commentary about the music because it's not relevant, but I, do you like I Little Zan? In- Is Little Zan something that you like pop on? Oh, I would I I with your avocado toast and just kind of jam. The short answer is no. The short answer is no. The short answer is I went there being like, oh my god, I really hope I like this show, Mm. and then I can be like, well, did you go alone or did you go with with someone? Because that can change the experience. I went alone. Okay. I went alone. I was sober. I, I'd never listened to his music before. I was over 14. There were a lot of reasons it's, it was hard for me to get into. But I will say this. First and foremost, his fan base is almost exclusively high school age uh-huh. girls. Huh. Um, and, I mean, part of it is like, I mean, he's a nice looking kid. He's cute. So I'm sure that's probably part of the reason. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But I, I started to suspect while I was there, I was like, maybe these are the fans of all of like Maybe the fan base of this whole new genre really is just, you know, teenage girls. But I guess that's the, Wait, the story of pop music. Is it is it simply white, black? What what's the demographic? Uh, mostly mostly white girls, mostly suburban. Like when I went in there and started talking to them, you know, none of them were like from New York City. You're like, all, hi, like, I'm this I'm this older dude. You want to talk yeah. to me, you young thing, you? <laughs> that yep, that was my approach. <laughs> Uh, nah, I mean, I think if anything, you know, my age difference really just like legitimizes me even more as a journalist, right? Like I walk up and start asking questions. Oh, this person must be from the establishment. Mm. (laughs) Heavens. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I got good interviews and, and some insight from young people about this divide. And a lot of them said like, oh my God, yeah, in my town, like everybody's messed up on Zans. It's like people take Zans all the time. Like it's, it's an epidemic. So I got to hear from these young people that there was some credence to this. Uh, and then I also heard like some people like, oh, it's got to stop. You know, like I know so many people that have been to rehab. And then like at the end of the conversation, one of them was like, oh yeah, we tried to get some Zans tonight, but we couldn't get them. Our guy didn't come through or whatever. You know what I mean? Uh, and you know, Lil Zan, his name is Lil Zan. Right. It's, it's X-A-N right. for Xanax. And he came out and was like, I'm not going to do Xanax anymore. And then he wrote a song called Betrayed, right. which has like which is an anti-Xanax song. Right. You know, he says, and these are the actual lyrics of the song, Zans don't make you, Zans gonna take you, Zans gonna fake you, and Zans gonna betray you. Right. Uh, I mean, that's not a very clear criticism of the drug. I don't know what is, but he's not ready to change his name. Well, uh, and the name, name of his tour is, the name of his tour was Total Xanarchy. <laughs> <laughs> I guess he's like still like can't quite give up the idea of it. <laughs> it's it's a brand. He spent a long time yeah. building a brand. He doesn't want to. It. I get it. Um, but you know, it's fascinating just in terms of a subculture. I, you know, I learned a lot. I'm definitely not tempted to abuse this drug. Oh, um, you've grown. But so I did have. You. I know. Anymore, I guess I should say. I was like, ah, oh, you guys are. This is old, man. You know, <laughs> I've moved on. Uh, but it was no fascinating insight into this subculture and I learned a lot about the music. Uh, and I think, I mean, I haven't seen anybody else writing about this, you know, I don't think so. You're probably right. I did some research online preliminarily and like there was a little bit on vice, uh, and there were then some other music sites had written about how different rappers were kind of going back and forth. But in terms of like mainstream press, like this seems to me like the kind of thing, like, isn't this what the New York Times wants in their style section? Be like, hey, overeducated, upper middle class white people, did you know that the teens of America are taking Xanax because the, because the rappers in America are taking Xanax? Uh, but I, I haven't seen anything like that. And I even, you know, I shopped the story around and didn't get any takers. Really? I don't know. I, I don't. Really? Yeah. That's another story for another day. But uh, I'm glad that it, it got to be, it found a home on Queston. And now uh, we were able to discuss it. So, uh, you know, I'll leave it there. I, I definitely want to make it very clear that there is no connection between uh, medicinal marijuana and Xanax, other than it is interesting to talk about the way that we use substances to treat 
uh, our own the difficulties that we encounter in life. You know, not even necessarily mental health or mental illness, but you know, we, everybody's self medicating. You know, right? Uh, Is there and there are more destructive methods than others. So you don't know anyone anyone personally who has used Xanax. Um, well, one of the subjects in the story is a young person that I know who got into legal trouble because he got caught with a bunch of Xanax. Um, and he took a lot and it really man, messed up his life. You know, right. he had these long blackout periods. He got in legal trouble um, and messed with his health. And then when he got off of them, he had really, really serious withdrawals. Um, and he's uh, another subject in the piece. Right. Uh, but I don't know anybody. I, you know, I mean, I, what does this say about social circles? Oh, man, I'm not cool enough to have any, any friends who are popping Zans right now. <laughs> I'm like, maybe that's an accomplishment. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> You've just grown. You're Do you have any friends who are popping Xan? Have no. you ever taken Xanax before, even with a prescription? No. Well, I mean, if you go to your doctor and say, sometimes I get nervous on airplanes, your doctor will just say, here you go. And they'll write you a prescription for Xanax. Like, it's crazy how overprescribed this is. So the reason I, and a lot of people take it. And this is another thing I should kind of like make a specific point of. Uh, if you take it the way you're supposed to take it, it can really help you. Right. You know, like it's a it's a good drug. Like people who suffer from serious anxiety can take this pill and chill out. Right. You know, and it allows them like be in the world in a way that they couldn't before. So this isn't like you know, I'm not trying to say it's this horrible drug that's destroying our youth or something. It has its place. Um but its place might not be, you know, in Lil Zan's mouth twenty a day, you know. That's probably not helpful. You know, I was wondering, is there anything that you maybe that you didn't mention in your piece that you kind of learned about Xanax or something that not necessarily shocking, but just interesting or Uh, I'm trying to think about stuff that ended up on the cutting room floor because I did have to narrow this piece down. I mean, that's usually my reporting style. Like, it's so interested in a subject that I just go in every direction. And I'm like, like all that stuff I was talking about earlier, like, oh, Xanax rolls in overdoses. <laughs> you know, I like pursue that lead and then research that. And then like, you know, I did all this research. And this is one thing, maybe this will answer your question. Uh, I had to do a search on the prevalence of mentions of the word Xanax in Pop- rap lyrics, uh-huh. right? Like I had... I had to like go on uh, to I think with lyrics.com and music A to Z and like different sites that track lyrics and see like when they spiked, when they leveled off compared to other drugs. So that's really interesting. If you guys want to do a Google search, you should go and check out um, different like data metric studies and graphs that people have made about the mentions of different substances in rap music, because I could have written a whole piece about that. Mm. Uh, as things have spiked, you know, it's like, I, you know, 10 or 10 years ago or so, I guess maybe closer to 10 or 14 years ago, early 2000s, um, ecstasy was the pill of choice mm-hmm. for rappers, right. you know, and everything was about e-pills. And I mean, I guess Molly is still big, but, you know, you can kind of like track like pop culture and you can kind of like track drug fads um, through rap lyrics, right. you know which is its own interesting story. So I spent a lot of time with that. 
Um, don't worry. Kids haven't stopped smoking weed and drinking Hennessy. That's still just as popular as it ever was. I think Xanax is more of a supplement than anything else. So why do you feel like um, Xanax isn't like considered like a concern among like drugs that are being misused by today's youth? Um, I mean, there's only so much we can keep in our heads. Like, there's only so much worry we can have for the youth. <laughs> and oh, wow. I really think that old people are like, are so caught up. They're, they're so blown away by youth culture right now. They're just like, wait. So, like, people, like, send each other nudes in eighth grade. You know, like, <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> you know? And they're like, oh, my God. Like, this person was, like, bullied so hard on Snapchat that they, like, tried to commit suicide. You know what I mean? Like, there are, like, certain arenas that we're focusing on in, in order to be alarmed about, like, young people's behavior. And it's mostly sexual. And it mostly has to do with social media and bullying. Uh, so maybe there's not enough room in there. I mean, and the national drug conversation right now is opioids. You know, like we, we've only got time for one epidemic at a time. Um, <laughs> I guess that's fair. And yeah, and this probably isn't even an epidemic, but you know, it's it's prevalent. I talked to the kids at the concert from uh, you know the wealthy suburbs of New York City, and they were like, "Oh my god, all my friends take Zans all the time, and they're just in and out of rehab." Um, so maybe we're just ahead of the curve in the fine tradition of Pacific News Service, New American Media, and Youth Outlook. <laughs> perhaps we are just ahead of the curve. And a year from now, the New York Times style section is going to be running a story. Did you know <laughs> that teens and teen rappers are taking Xanax? I just, I just feel uh, like, it, should, like it. it would be more of like a thing that's on their radar because they're always concerned about what are the what are teens today taking? What are they doing? What are they abusing? And I feel like that would be a thing that's, you know on one of the many, many, many things that we have to hear about on a regular basis. Apparently not. But uh, I believe that in time, uh, they'll catch on too late after the kids have already moved on to something else. (laughs) (laughs) I guess at one point they'll be referring to your article on Quest on Media once they... If I don't get credit for breaking the story, <laughs> I'm out of the game. I'm out of the journalism game. Oh, that's not true. Don't say that. Don't say that. We know that's not true. You're right. That's an overstatement. I only said it because I really believe in my heart that eventually I will get credit for this story. You will. Probably. So, it's an, so it's an empty threat. Um, all right. That is all the time, sadly, that we have uh, to dedicate to drug talk. Oh, really? Um, sad. I know. I know it's sad. I mean, we could talk about drugs forever, but in terms of this podcast, we've got to wrap it up. Uh, I want to thank you, Eming, for being here and sharing your story. No problem. Thank you, Russell, for doing all that research and going to a subpar rap concert. We are all deeply appreciate your sacrifice. Anything for the people. (laughs) Okay. Uh, That's it from us. Until next time, West on. of the Quest On podcast was produced and edited in Richmond, California. 